Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Welcome to McDonald's. We're currently serving a limited menu, so please review the menu before ordering. Let me know what I can get for you. Can I get two medium Oreo McFlurries? All right. Would you like anything else? That's it. Okay. Your total will be six fifty-eight. Please pull forward. What? Inflation. I need a little more perkiness. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> so that's they're trying out AI at a uh, McDonald's there in Chicago. Um, I, I like the fact, hey, they speak in perfect English, so that's really cool. I understood every word that person said. Um, so that's it's really a step oh, forward. Listen to but your nativist racism. I need a little more zip, though. You're bringing me down. I yeah, I'd like a couple of uh, cheeseburgers, please. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. All right. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe there's no point in it. I mean, it's mimicking the appropriate energy level of most fast food employees that I've encountered in my life. I guess yeah, the programmer should have dropped by a Chick-fil-A or an In-N-Out burger or something to see how plucky youngsters who are on their way up in the world treat a customer. What would you like? Yeah, I guess you're right. There's no point in eating. <laughs> All right, give me another McFlurry. <laughs> there's no point in even being alive. You can right. <laughs> You know what? I don't want anything except the warm embrace of death <laughs> all right pull forward uh that's what happens though if you if you rate keep raising minimum wage you raise it high enough you double it like they're talking about doing it in a lot of places uh they're not gonna be able to afford fast food help but anyway that's a different topic i wanted to do this feature called a dumb guy explains inflation So this is not inflation for dummies. It's inflation from dummies. <laughs> exactly. This could possibly be for nobody. <laughs> right. Uh, and all I did yesterday was listen to, uh, like, geez, a two-hour podcast, I think, with some That's plenty. PhD-level intellectual think tank-type people uh, talking about inflation. It's pretty interesting. So you've probably heard the phrase recently, the dangers of overheating our economy with pumping this much more money in uh, another $2 trillion um, and the, the concerns of inflation. So we haven't really had inflation since I've been a grown-up grown-up. Um, it's been hovering around 2% or less now for quite a few years, um, which the economists think 2% is the sweet spot. I, I don't think most people realize that if you have 2% inflation, which they think is a good thing, you're taking a 2% cut in pay every single year um, right. unless mm-hmm. uh, unless somebody does something about it. But the overheating the economy part of the uh, the inflation that there could, these Ph.D. people are concerned about is there is a tremendous amount of excess savings in America right now. Their use of the term excess savings is different than when AOC says it or Nancy Pelosi says it. When AOC and Nancy Pelosi talk about excess savings, it's people having too much money and we should take some of it and give it to other people. But what they mean excess savings, it's more than we normally save. And mm-hmm. likely when this is over, we're all going to go on a spending spree and, uh, and, and buy a whole bunch of stuff. That's what they expect. I remember for years and years the story was that Americans weren't saving enough and it was a disaster. But anyway. Right. Right. Anyway, so 
people are going to spend a lot of money. People are already spending money, and we already have all kinds of supply problems for a variety of reasons. The demand is way outstripping the supply and could dangerously outstrip the supply coming up over the next couple of years. For instance, I was yesterday shopping for a pair of, uh, I wanted a new pair of Red Wing work boots, which are the greatest boots in the world. My dog chewed the tongue out of them, though. And while they will last forever under normal circumstances, if your dog chews the tongue out of them, they're no longer wearable. Uh, are you telling us, Elvis, your dog pulled the tongue out by the roots? <laughs> it did. <laughs> and, Come uh, on, Michael, pay attention. So, what are you doing in there? So I went to buy a pair of work boots, and there were none to be have in my size, and so I went on the Internet. There's not a pair in America. There's not of a pair of ten and a half D Red Wing work boots. Don't exist anywhere in America. And I've had this happen with all kinds of different stuff. My son, what did he get for his birthday in December? A new bike. And we went to the bike store. They don't have any bikes. So we went to a different bike store. They don't have any bikes. And they said, nobody's got any bikes, and nobody's going to have any bikes until late spring. Uh, Same with skateboards. Same with when I bought a horse trailer because of the fires last year. They said, this is the last one, and we don't expect it to get caught up here on our lot for three years. Demand is outstripping supply, and we're going to pump even more money out there. People have more money to spend. So what happens then, according to these economists, driving up the inflation is, uh, so all these businesses are going to start having people work longer hours, hire more people, demand more more materials to bake the stuff, and then so the price of the materials has got to go up because they're falling behind, and then the price of the material goes up and the thing that you bought went up, and the people are working longer hours, and they're demanding more money, and it all just kind of spirals out of control. And just everything goes up. Everything goes up at the same time. The The main thing that I didn't know that I learned yesterday from talking to these people is how much of it is emotional. According to them, the vast majority of inflation and getting out of inflation is a psychological thing. If we're all under the impression that things are getting more expensive, we all react differently. We raise the prices of the stuff we're selling. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we feel like we've got to raise wages to keep the people. We, we all buy into the fact that we're living in inflation and everything. It's self-perpetuating. The fact that we killed it off in the 90s um, or in the 80s and the 90s by devastating the economy with a brutal recession, the feds jumped in and rose interest rates enough to cause a horrible recession, but killed off inflation. So, uh, uh, you know, the big money people have come to the belief that the the federal government will not allow inflation to happen. So they've been comfortable with that. Well, this this is going the other direction. We've pumped so much money into the economy that the belief among the the heavyweights of heavyweights on Wall Street are believing that inflation is going to happen. And again, like I said, it's mostly psychological. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And then it will just occur. And then stopping it is very, very hard. Yeah. What's scary about this, and I've been hammering the fact that the current insane spending is an utterly unforgivable crime against the kids and the grandkids because we're stealing their money uh, at interest. We're we're spending it now on stuff right now, and we're going to make them pay it back through higher taxation with interest down the road. It is the greatest theft in the history of mankind, but it's not from one people to another. It's from one generation to another. But you know what I've left out of the discussion? Because if you have significant levels of inflation, including like dangerous inflation, it's a brutalization of the old. Of retirees, of oh. people on fixed incomes. Oh, yeah, because your $200,000 you've got in your 401k gets worth, you know, what's inflation going to be? If inflation is 8%, it, your 
quarter million dollars you got in your 401k after, after a life of work and savings and growth is going down by 8% a year. Shrinking. Shrinking mm-hmm. by 8% a year. Moving if you want to, that's right. And if you want to eat, you're taking X percent out as well. So you could easily be losing 10, 12, 15, 20%. Oh. Do that math. Yeah. And getting, and getting back into the emotional aspect of inflation and why it's so hard to get out of the cycle. If you're under the belief that everything's going to be more expensive next year, well, then you buy the... The car, the shoes, the get the deck built on your car, the whatever, or your house. You don't build a deck on your car. Uh, no, you it's not a bad idea, though. Yeah, um, get your barbecue grill up there. But so then you're buying your stuff this year because you're so worried about inflation, which causes inflation to go higher because, you know, it continues to overheat the economy. And it's just self-perpetuating. And that's why it's such a nightmare and so freaking scary to try to get out of. And we should be so concerned about letting it start. But I and, have a he, feeling that all these articles for um, uh, Paul Kruger in the New York Times, you know, he's the leftiest of leftiest um, uh, economists out there, but he's worried about this. We talked about Steve Ratner, another lefty, the MSNBC guy, really worried about inflation. I worry about a self-fulfilling prophecy of if the big guys, like I said, the big guys on Wall Street are already worried about it, the big economists writing about it, and then we all get worried about it and we start buying. I mean, we just increase more demand outstripping mm-hmm. the supply, and we cause this to happen. And then, geez, it could be the rest of my life before we get out of it. Given the fact that this is slightly more complicated than I want to check, I find it uh, hard to believe we're going to convince Americans that fiscal responsibility is the way to go. So I honestly don't even know what the cure is. You know, and, and one more quick note, anybody who lived through the housing crash, you know, if the the feds have to choke off hyperinflation, what they'll do is raise interest rates to enormous levels, which means your house will be worth a fraction of what it is because the amount of money people have to spend doesn't change. It's just a question of how much goes to the seller and how much goes to the the interest payments to the bank. Oh man, so that'd be a brute too. Uh, you know, this is a downer, and I apologize for it, but don't you think this is the most like fiscal experiment never done in the history of mankind? I don't want to be a downer, and I want to ruin people's days, but don't you think this is the most likely thing to happen? The, the reason these lefty yeah. economists are writing these columns is because of this extra $2 trillion we're pumping in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, having watched and studied economics my entire adult life, I have been surprised many times, and the economic might of this country is so enormous. It could be we can find a way to to, to skirt the the worst of it, but uh, I mean they're going to have to rewrite all the economics textbooks if this doesn't cause some pretty serious inflation, right? Well, when or, you have- or at least trigger the sort of measures to fight inflation that we're going to hate. Well, as a graduate student in economics told me a couple of years ago. It's all theory. Um, it's all theory, and people tend to latch on to the theories that back up their political point of view and make those their, you know, life's view of economics. But uh, this, this is scary stuff. Like like Joe just said, we're 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 conducting a crazy experiment, like you would only want to do in a hypothetical, uh, like in a classroom, like yeah. a war game. To see how it would turn out, but we're actually doing it. Yeah, right. You'd want to try it a few times with models, you know, computer models, before you attempted it. So on a totally another uh, topic, a couple of uh, notes from France. Uh, number one, you remember the beheading of that teacher? Well, there's been a twist in that story that's just stunning. Wow. 
And speaking of Frenchmen, in defense of Pepe Le Rapi, Rapi Le Pew, the cartoon skunk who's... I hated that cartoon for all kinds of reasons. It wasn't funny as part of it. In defense of Pepe Le Pew. Coming up, don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. number of texts about our previous conversation about inflation and everything. Jack, sorry to hear about your Red Wings. That's one text I got. That's funny. <laughs> That's uh, very compassionate of you. I just listened to Dumb Guy Explains Economics. I learned not to let a dog eat your boots, and that for some reason bicycles are disappearing. <laughs> On to the more uh, cogent comments uh, about uh, prices going up and all that sort of stuff already and the, the the supply outstripping demand, and now we're pumping more money out there. I had a couple of fence posts fail. Home Depot and Lowe's are both out of fence posts in multiple stores, so Home Depot raised the price from 9 bucks a post to $25 a post if they had any. Fence posts? In fact, many home improvement stores are completely out of stock. Yeah, that's like I said, can't buy a bike for my kid. You can't. So the price of everything is going to go up. Oh, we got this text. Have you checked the price of used cars lately? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why I repaired my truck. I had a dent in my truck from backing into something, and I thought, geez, for what it's worth, I'm not going to repair it. And then I looked online for some reason to see what it was worth. What? Well, I might as well fix it and drive it. It's just, I mean, it's, it's worth fixing at that price or sell it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, bah, bah, bah. We got this. Please isolate and post this segment so I can use it for the classes I teach. I teach advanced placement economics, and you covered about 10 different content points that reinforce what we've done in class. Excellent job. Well, that was very nice of them to say. Wow. A blind pig finds a bushel of acorns. No offense. Uh, we had appliances or vehicles needing repair and replacement over the last year. We were always told the shortage was due to COVID restrictions, so we're going to kill the economy and flood it with newly minted money to revive it, only to kill it again with debt and inflation. That might be what happens. <laughs> That's a pretty good assessment right there. Well said, my friend. Yeah, man. When the when, oof. if everybody's running out with their stimulus checks like they have in the past year and buying up stuff, the prices are going to go up. And everything's going to go up. Yeah. Well, and you combine that with the COVID-related uh, supply chain interruptions, mm-hmm. you're going to have more and more money chasing fewer and fewer goods. So, anyway, uh, Judy and I were trying to buy some furniture the other day. We found some really nice stuff. We liked it. We found that sweet spot. Not too expensive, not too cheap. Probably hold up for a few years. The guy told us it'll be five months till we get it. Yeah. I can't buy something that's not going to be here for five months. I know. I mean, that's just crazy. Anyway, this is a, this story is unbelievable. Uh, it, it it reminds us that uh, fundamentalist Islam has not gone away. It's just kind of uh, in the background. Do you remember that horrible story where the the French school teacher was beheaded because allegedly he had been showing images of Muhammad in class and made the Muslim kids leave the school and then. The French Muslim Internet went wild, and this guy got uh, found out by an 18-year-old. He was hunted down, and they beheaded him in the street. I mean, just a horrifying story. Well, now it turns out that the girl, a 13-year-old girl who started all of this, lied about it because she'd been suspended for a different reason 
13-year-old Muslim girl had been, and the story, the, it's funny, the BBC's coverage, uh, they, they imply that she is, but they never state it. Um, she'd been suspended for too many absences and was afraid to tell her father so she came home and made up a story that she was suspended because this teacher had been showing images of Muhammad and, and she protested, and that's why she got suspended. Oh, so boy. he went online and started to make a big deal of it. Ends up with this 18-year-old murdering the teacher in the streets. Wow. Well, God. yeah, the teacher should be able to do that anyway. Um, Absolutely. So oh, yeah. you got multiple 100%. problems going on there. Uh, it reminds me of, you know, we got this border crisis going on, and I remember years ago, this guy, this might be 20 years ago, nearly, um, it was certainly after 9-11, I remember Thomas Friedman, the uh, columnist from the New York Times, on Charlie Rose, saying, you know when we're going to get a hold of the border, Charlie? When some Islamo-fascist walks across the border with a backpack. That's when we're going to get control of the border. And I thought, yeah, that is going to solve the whole border issue for bad reasons an al-Qaeda member of, or somebody like that is going to come across the border, and then we're going to react the way we react when things like that happen. But it never has. But maybe mm-hmm. now is the time. Maybe now is the time that they think, you know how you get into the United States? You can't get in through the ports or the airports anymore. You come across that southern border. Right, right. Well, wait for a Democrat to get in the White House, then come on over. Uh, now, Jack, you took all your uh, all of our time with the dismal science of economics, and you left me no time to defend uh, Pepe Le Pew, role model. Role model? Yes. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Bipartisan group of lawmakers is set to introduce legislation this week calling for research into the coronavirus pandemic's impact on mental health. Well, let me save you a few bucks. It's been bad. Yeah, no kidding. And to that, a lot of what's been bad for young people anyway is the fact that they're not in school. So it's such good news that it's being reported that L.A. schools are opening back up. The biggest school district in America that was still not open is opening back up. And oh, then if good, you finally. then if you take 30 seconds to look into the details you realize no it's not some of the schools opening up a couple hours a week the end wow. and in like 6 weeks at the earliest so it might we not even follow the science right so that's yeah. a, that's practically a nothing I'm glad there's no violence over this but I wouldn't be surprised if there were violence over this given the depth of harm to the children. But if we get off on this tangent, we'll be all angry and the rest of it. So uh, this is some really good writing by John Nolte I came across, and I wanted to share it with you on the topic of the worst cartoon in the history of the world, Pepe Le Pew, the rapey skunk, (laughs) although he defends Pepe in a way that I find very persuasive. The famous, I guess infamous now, Looney Tunes were very much about teaching children moral and civil behavior. Bugs Bunny taught kids that keeping cool and using your brains was the best way to navigate life. Daffy Duck taught us that losing your temper always ends in disaster. Elmer Fudd taught us that violence doesn't solve anything. Yosemite Sam taught us bullies eventually meet their match. Wile E. Coyote taught us the price of obsession. Do you think we learn these things? I don't feel like I did, but I'm a particularly dull human being. 
No, I think you did. You, you just, think I did and I just don't know it? it? Yeah, mm. yeah. You didn't know you were being taught because it was so entertaining, but you absorbed the lessons. I'm pretty slow. Porky Pig taught us the pleasures of pantlessness. I made <laughs> I made that part up. Porky Pig taught us the virtue of earnestness. Foghorn Leghorn taught us the sin of bluster and ego and feuds. Huh. Now, and this is the part I really like. No one ever walked out of a Looney Tunes cartoon wanting to be Daffy or Wiley or Elmer or Yosemite or Foghorn. No, you walked out wanting to be Bugs Bunny or Speedy Gonzalez or the Roadrunner. Why? True. Because they were the cool ones, the smart ones, the crafty ones who prevailed. And let me further assure you, know you that Wiley yes. Coyote might be my long hatred of technology. It never works the way it's supposed to. <laughs> that might all be from Wiley Coyote. Because of the Acme skates? <laughs> None of it ever worked the way it's designed. they claim on the box. That's what you took away from those cartoons. <laughs> all right. Well, Man, that, that reminds me. What was that uh, fake commercial we played? The latest Sony blanking piece of blank. Yeah, yeah exactly. Very funny. Yeah, I don't know if that you could even play it, though. It would just be all bleeps. Anyway, yeah, this is this is where the rubber meets the uh, the skunk in the road. Let me further assure you that no one ever walked out of a Looney Tunes cartoon wanting to be Pepe Le Pew, which is why the blacklisting and canceling of this character only proves one thing, that today's woke Hitler youth are not interested in morality, but only in censorship and flexing their own tyrannical virtue. Let's begin with the fact that Pepe Le Pew is, by any measure, one of the most disgusting creatures in the animal kingdom, a literal skunk. What's more, Pepe has no idea he stinks or that his odor disgusts everyone around him. On top of that, he's an oblivious narcissistic moron, the butt of every joke who always loses in the end, oftentimes by getting a well-deserved dose of his own medicine. Uh, then they talk about the uh, the Pepe Le Pew short for sentimental reasons, which won the Oscar for Best Animated Short in 1950. Really? Yeah. The uh, boilerplate uh, plot, he mistakes Penelope the cat for a fellow skunk, falls madly in love on sight, makes a total fool of himself chasing her, but in the end, doing an accident, Penelope, who looks awful, mistakes Pepe for a cat and confronts the horrified skunk in a trapped space. The short closes with a mortified Pepe on the run from Penelope. At no point in any one of the cartoons do we want Pepe to succeed in his pursuit. Throughout, we feel embarrassed for him and uncomfortable for Penelope, and at the end, when the tables turn and Pepe is a victim of of love we're satisfied that he got what he deserved and hope he learns his lesson what could be more moral than that and he goes on it teaches young boys that nothing is more unattractive to the world than a sense of entitlement so warped that you don't even know how badly you stink and that the only way to win a woman is to be kind and self-aware through the courting ritual and be good to her and to learn to take no gracefully. I think it's a great uh, piece of writing here. We'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com. You know, there's more. To, I, should, I can't, I can't uh, hold back. It is, Claiming that, go ahead. It is interesting that we would decide that you can't have the archetype of the CAD. I mean, is that going to be true for all art? You can't have a person that displays the, the person that behaves badly? Because we feel like that's romanticizing it or giving that behavior a platform yeah or something you know what's crazy about that and i've observed this for a long time as a uh, as a uh, music guy all the controversies about uh, lyrical content and the rest of it and the labels and then banning pepe Le Pew, the rest of it tvs and movie 
movies get a 100% pass. There's rape, murder, torture, all manner of horror all the time in practically every damn movie that's ever made. But you can't have a skunk who's pushy? And the point of the show is that being pushy doesn't work. I mean, that's the, it's not he gets everything he wants and has a happy life. That's not the point of the cartoon. Exactly. Nobody comes away opposite. from it thinking that. Yeah, he is the butt of the joke. He is a, a, an example for what not to be. And, and cleansing the culture, these Marxists, these young neo-Marxists trying to cleanse the culture of all of our touchstones, they just, You've got to resist this. They always have a reason, and it always sounds enlightened, and they're pretty good at promoting it. But you've got to reject it. One final uh, sentence. Um, Claiming that Pepe Le Pew promotes the rape culture is like claiming Yosemite Sam promotes animal abuse, or Bud Abbott promotes bullying, or Inspector Clouseau promotes violence, or the Bible promotes incest and killing your brother, or Lolita promotes child molestation, or Goodfellas promotes the mafia. They're cautionary tales, idiots. On the other hand, the plot was always exactly the same, and they were boring as hell. After cautionary tales, idiots. I like that. That's my favorite sentence. <laughs> well, that was mine. I'll take credit for that. I Not can, John Nolte, less crazy brother of Nick. i just been running through my mind. Can you think of any examples where we, we uh, famous movies, TV shows, characters, or whatever, where the bad guy does win in the end? Where you like would be perhaps concerned that it's teaching that. I mean, we obviously yeah. do glorify the mob and those kind of things, but they almost always either go to prison or die a horrifyingly violent death. You know, some of your anti-hero uh, shows like The Sopranos. You know, it's not clear what happens to Tony, but uh, you know, even that he's a stressed out, yeah. frequently uh, miserable. I don't think that works neurotic. as an example. Yeah, I don't watch yeah. that. Did anybody watch it thinking they want to be Tony and live Tony's life? Boy, I didn't. No, absolutely not. What season are we talking about? <laughs> when he's with you the Mercedes dealer. To, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Glory, crazy yeah. love equals crazy. Yeah. Uh, we need cautionary tales. Um, but I was just thinking about, think of a bunch of examples like uh, the, the, the famous movie going way back to the 70s, but won, won awards. Uh, Butch and Sundance with uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. I mean, they die a horrifically violent death in the end. So, I mean, even though... Even those kind of movies, there's, I can't think of any examples where we make it the, 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 the rapist, the thief, the whatever, uh, only seem attractive. I don't, I don't think people would want that. I don't, I don't think, think they, they would, would either. I don't think they no. would either. No. You know, I'm going to throw in one more sentence from John Nolte. It's a great piece. And again, we'll post it at armstrongandgetty.com. As long as there's been in America, there have been fascist, self-righteous liars and humorless bullies like Charles Blow, who started the Pepe Le Pew thing, and his political soulmate, Joseph McCarthy. But the only time this country shames itself is when these monsters are listened to and taken seriously. Well, I don't know who you were quoting the other day, but that's the favorite thing I've heard on all this is how often throughout history have the good guys been on the side of banning things of censorship? How right, often yeah. does that ever happen? I can't remember the gent's name. I, I meant to commit it to memory because I find his, uh, his thinking really compelling. But what he said was name a time when the people banning books and censoring were the good guys. Looking back on it. turned out to be the good guys. Yeah, looking back on it, I can't think of an example. No, no. 
No. You know, you had some folks who were probably of, of decent motivation trying to keep American mm-hmm. pop culture clean in the right. 20th century, not let it get too pornographic. Uh, that's a little different. Yeah, I've been watching the NWA movie. I'm still making my way through it, the Straight Outta Compton movie. And I can understand why I had only heard about it. This music wasn't available to me where I lived. But the F the Police song that got was, was so controversial and everything like that. I can understand why people were... You know, while there was a, while there was an impulse to ban it, and why they didn't allow it in concerts, and arrest them, arrested them on stage in Detroit, and everything like that. But looking back on it, I don't think anybody thinks that was a good move, do they? No, to no, ban it that sort of thing because that, a discussion. that was the attitude of a lot of people in certain parts of the country where they were being abused by police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and good for the discussion and to shine a light on that. Right. Well, and a lot of it made me really uncomfortable at the time, and I said so on the air, but I am certain I never called for it to be banned. I just thought, all right, let's have a talk about this and, and, and why it's dangerous and a bad idea. can't believe they actually got arrested. Yeah. Isn't that something? This is wild. Um, anywho, uh, what are your thoughts? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Uh, I don't want to wear you out with them I because mean, it did a long thing on inflation. Got something on Social Security that's just unbelievable. Really well-written piece on how if any if you gave your money to anybody else to invest the way they do Social Security, (laughs) you'd either fire them or sue them. Especially given the last couple of years run up a new new record in the Dow today. While while every even people like uh, with a blindfold on throwing darts at a dartboard are getting fifteen percent returns the last couple of years, your Social Security is getting like one. Are they not just doing like index funds? No, heck no. No, no, no. It doesn't no, no, even no, no. come close to getting as doing as well as an index fund. Oh we'll get into those God. numbers later. It's a, it's a crime. <laughs> it's a crime. I have comments, but I, unlike Pepe Le Pew, have restraint and will withhold them. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Just saw Wolfgang Puck on the Financial Channel, and I got to admit, I didn't know that was an actual human being. I thought that was just like a made-up name. Like Chef Boyardee. Yeah, I did. No, no. Wolfgang Wolfgang Puck. He appears to be 150 years old. He's talking about his restaurants and uh, COVID and... uh, finances but it reminded me of uh i didn't need to be reminded i went on some sort of eating binge last night i'm not exactly sure what happened it's a bit of a fog it's like i i have the same feeling as if i had like woken up in a cheap hotel with a uh, a, a, a crack prostitute similar to my eating experience last night just like everything's kind of foggy and wow what'd you eat I got, I was running errands. Oh, you know, my New Year's resolution was to get new glasses. So I was trying to, um. That's not a resolution. That's an errand. I was trying to pull that off last night. So I went to one of those one hour places and, uh, uh, I pick out some glasses and I look it over and they, I said, how, when will they be ready? And they said, probably Thursday or Friday. And I said, I thought it was an hour. No, you have to get here before blah, 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 bunch of words that mean it's not anything that they say it is. Anyway, so I was very disappointed because I wanted my glasses now. So I walked out in disgust. But I was getting hungrier. And it was getting, I was, so I, so I was disgusted with that and hungry. 
And I'd gotten myself so hungry that my hands were shaking. Like, oh, I was really boy, hungry. Not good. Yeah. And so there's, I happened by a Trader Joe's, uh, and I need to use the bathroom. So I happened by a Trader Joe's, so I run and I use the bathroom, and then I see some salad, and I think, you know, I want some salad. Salad sounds good. That'll be healthy. And I get some salad, and right above the salad, they've got some something called pub cheese, which looks really, really good. You spread it with a cracker. So I thought, well, I want some pub cheese. There's some grapes. That sounds good. So now I got my hands all filled up like this with stuff, wow. and I need some crackers okay. from my pub cheese. So I go over and get some gluten-free crackers. Anyway, I check out. I get that. I go to the car. I eat almost all of that, which was a tremendous amount of food. In the car. Then what? Ha- why did this happen? I don't. Again, it's like a fog. She walked up to me and asked me oh. to dance. <laughs> no, she. Um, uh, somehow I saw a Dick's Barbecue, and I thought, man, some meat sounds good right now. So I go into the Dick's Barbecue, and I get a half pound of pork and two orders of coleslaw. Wow. And I go back to my truck, and I sit in my truck, and I eat that, and then I'm pulling out of the parking lot. <laughs> I'm pulling out of the parking lot, and there's a Cold Stone Creamery over there. Oh, no. And I really got a hankering for some chocolate. So I go in there, and I get a fudge milkshake. Which I didn't even know was such a thing. I didn't know. I've never heard of that. How did the physics even work with a straw? <laughs> it wasn't easy. But anyway, I ate all those things in about a 10-minute period, and I feel horrible today. Wow. Wow. What do you think? What is that? That's I don't know. That's a mania. That's, 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 yeah, is there something wrong with your brain? feels like a mania. Wow. My wife wow. said it was emotional eating, but I don't, I don't think it was. I just think, I, I just think I'm like a bear. If I get really hungry, I just eat what's in front of me. Wow, until you pass out. Until I pass out. Or, or I don't up. think I've ever eaten like that. I mean, I've I've like had one more slice of pizza than I should have, but running around from place to place, just ingesting. Yeah, like I, ate it, I ate at three different places in one strip mall parking lot. Each time being in my car and about to leave when I see another place and think, oh, that sounds good. Stop my wow. car, get out, and go back in again. How are you not 800 pounds? Well, I did this within my five-and-a-half-hour window of eating. I only eat in oh. a five-and-a-half-hour window every day. All right. Okay. All right. Well, maybe that's your problem. Lion. And it's weird. It's a, it's a little foggy. Like I said, it's, it's like I was in a daze. You I know, might speaking, have to seek out some professional help on this. <laughs> speaking of overeating, um, the CDC out with a couple of things. Number one, nearly one in ten Americans, more than 32 million people, are now fully vaccinated. But the CDC wants you to know you can't let down your guard now. It's critical to me. Oh, shut up. We're yeah. so tired of you. Be quiet. We Go know away. how to protect ourselves. Go away. But you this, stay away from your grandma. But this is interesting. A new report from the CDC shows about 78% of people, let's say 80%, okay? Four out of five. People who were hospitalized, placed on a ventilator, or died from the vid were overweight or obese. Underappreciated aspect of COVID is it kills off overweight people. Now, you know, I clicked on the actual study, but it is scientific ease. I mean, it's it's an unleavened piece of science. It's not written up for the, the layman to understand it. It's, I mean, so obviously the conclusion is, is clear. Overweight or obese makes you much more at risk for a COVID death. On the other hand, overweight is like 80% of us. Right. So they, so they if must... 80% of deaths were overweight and obese and 80% of us are overweight and obese, have we learned anything? Well, do they mean really overweight? Well, it's, it's the whole BMI thing. Yeah. 
Well, okay, yeah, so... Yeah, exactly. I see what you mean. So if if 80% of the deaths were over a BMI of whatever, 30, whatever number they go with, um, but we all are, most of us are that way anyway, well, then that Mm. doesn't mean anything. That means it killed human beings. That'd be like saying it it killed almost entirely human beings with two eyes. Yeah, we all have two eyes. Or the deaths from COVID went precisely along racial lines. It would have killed more white people. Um, but I'm not sure how much we've we've learned from that. Now I mean, there are it's, higher it's, levels of obesity among black people and Hispanic people. Um, does that have anything to do with the higher numbers? No, we're going to have equity. They're disproportionate. Yeah, that's clearly why it is. It's almost certainly a huge factor in why more people of color died, more obesity. Now you know the frontline worker thing and the rest of it. Uh, you know the, the fewer white collar jobs you could do from home. That's a factor, of course it is, but. Uh, most of it's probably obesity. Why would somebody this. my age ever eat a fudge milkshake? You child. I mean, that's seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> Here's a sentence you don't have to worry about, Jack. Patients under 65 who were underweight had a 41% higher risk for hospitalization than those with a healthy. God, body. how skinny would you have to be to be underweight? I don't know, because I'm 5'10", about 5'11", no. and, and among my normal weights is like being 137 pounds. Well, I mentioned the other day that the bottom end of normal for me is 145. You would be emaciated. Oh, people would be worried about me if I was they'd 144. Be, they'd be buying you fudge milkshakes. <laughs> Handing you a blanket. You're invested in the worst performing fund in the world, practically, whether you like it or not. Stay tuned for that. Hour 3. Armstrong and Getty.